Hey y'all, Liz Higgins here, and welcome to the Millennial Life Podcast, where my main goal is to share conversations that will inspire you and drive you toward the life and relationship you desire. I'm here to share what I've learned as a licensed therapist and relationship coach specializing in millennial relationships and wellness, as well as transformative conversations with other professionals. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm really excited to bring on a guest um, that I found on Instagram, of course. Us millennials certainly like to hang out over there. And Stephanie Boo is with me today to talk about her journey, her experience with infertility, and going through the IVF process with her husband. This is such a relevant story for so many people out there, and I've certainly sat with clients going through this very experience, and so I think it just made so much sense to have Stephanie come on to the episode or to the podcast and talk about how this impacted her and and just a real life um, experience and relationship. Stephanie, thanks for being here today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So why don't we just kickstart by you introducing yourself? You know, I think you have quite a following going on your Instagram page, but for those who maybe haven't heard of you or don't know you, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So my name is Stephanie. I am going to be the big 3-0 this year. I can't believe it. Um, Congrats. Thank you. I am married to my husband, Alex, and we have a beautiful son. His name is Aspen. He just turned one back in April. My career has been a bumpy road. I technically have a degree with high school education, but then I became a preschool teacher, and now I'm an entrepreneur, published author, writing for myself, and it's just been crazy, but it's been so much fun. That is so awesome to hear. It's it's amazing when your personal journey can kind of shift your life around on lots of different levels. And I think you're doing some incredible things. So I'm excited to share more about all that with listeners. And so you you experienced infertility and you went through yep. this journey of, yep. you know, wanting to have a family, wanting to have children and and hitting those roadblocks. Like tell us about that. Yeah, so I have always wanted a big family. My mom has many brothers and sisters, and holidays were just so much fun. Um, Everybody was together, and I just remember growing up thinking, like, I want this. Like, I want so many, like, just so much family in one space and just all the love to share. And um, then when Alex and I got married in um, 2015, We, I mean, I'll be very honest, like we were not using anything to prevent pregnancy. And then we officially started trying in 2017. And then after that whole year went by when we were like tracking ovulation and doing that kind of stuff, then we realized, oh, something else might be going on. So we made our first doctor appointment in 2018. And then that was the year that we found out about infertility. And like, I had never really heard about it. It was not on my radar. I honestly was very oblivious to, to this whole other world 
that exists of people who struggle to conceive naturally. And so 2018 was our year to do IUIs. We did five of them and they failed and it sucked. Um, 2019, we did one cycle of IVF and we did an embryo transfer in August of that year and it was successful. And then we have our son Aspen from that transfer. (laughs) Wow. That is incredible to hear. And I was wondering, you know, what you would share about just that initial first stepping into that world of infertility. What is this? Like, because I think you're bringing up such a huge point that as much as we know, and as much as the medical field now has so many ways of helping couples in the same space, like we're not in the mainstream. I feel like we're not really talking about it still. Um, Maybe like we could. And I even think back to when. I um, went to my doctor and, you know, they were like, are y'all planning to have kids at any point? I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to start. And it was like, okay, well, you know, try for a year. And if it's at a year, we'll see what happens. And right. like, that was all I kind of heard. And so I just think about that and then your journey and where everything you did end up going through before yeah. conceiving your son. Um, what do you think are some of the things that people or that couples uh, don't realize or, you know, maybe don't know about this process before hitting it, before getting there? Well, I feel like there's this huge disconnect between the the idea of exactly what you just said of like when you went to go talk to your doctor and they're like, oh, well, you're going to have kids at some point, right? And then it's like you go for an entire year mm-hmm. and then if things are not working out, then we can see what's going on versus being proactive and and saying, hey, there is a possibility of this, or maybe running some tests. Because I went to my doctor and I said, hey, we're ready to start having kids. And he was very nonchalant about it. And he was like, oh, just have a good time, throw your legs up in the air and just go at it. And I was like, okay, well, that's not exactly what I expected to hear. And I definitely did not go back to that doctor. (laughs) But I mean, there is a huge disconnect. Mm. And I think that like having some sort of like early intervention or just certainly some sort of conversation about it ahead of time might prepare people because I will never forget sitting in our doctor's office and she's like handing us these pamphlets and brochures and we're hearing these words of infertility and IUI and and Clomid and IVF. And I'm like, I, I have, I knew IVF back in the nineties when it first came out as like, quote, test tube babies. Like that was my understanding of IVF because I don't feel like it's talked about. Right. Right. And like society just makes conception to be so natural. And it's just sometimes like, it's just not like, it's not that way. And so I think some serious like education and communication could really prepare people for, for like what like what could happen or this potential of, hey, this may not work for you, but that's okay. You have options instead of just being completely blindsided. Yeah. And so as I'm hearing you talk, I'm imagining you sitting in that doctor's office with your husband. I guess he was there too. Yep. And you're being given resources, pamphlets, these words coming out, these references you know, and this is I just wonder and want to ask you, can you reflect on the emotional experience you had even at that point in the the process? 
Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I mean, I remember he was sitting on my right and I just remember looking at him and I just felt like our dreams were crumbling and I immediately felt like, whoa, we have like, even though she's handing us options, we have no hope. I mean, we, and I'm also kind of like, well, wait a second. And then I'm sitting there doing the math in my head and I'm like, why did we not realize this sooner? You know, like I said, we weren't trying to prevent it. And so I'm just literally thinking through everything of, well, why hasn't this been working? And was it something that I did? Was it something that we could have prevented? Was it, were we maybe not doing something the right way? Were there red flags that I've been missing in my own personal health or maybe in his health? And just like every possible thing was just running through my mind. And also she, like our doctor is saying these huge words like IUI. And I'm like, what the heck is an IUI? What is IVF? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, how expensive is this? What are we going to do? Can we afford this? Mm -hmm. Or is this even something we can do? I mean, it's literally like you're sitting there and like one, one part of my brain is like listening to what the doctor is saying and trying to process it. And the other part of my brain is trying to figure out how did we get here? Like what happened? How are we here? What, like what just happened? Our whole world just imploded. (laughs) Yeah. Total, total shock, total shock. And it's like when we feel powerless or hopeless to circumstances, I think, we often try to find some semblance of control in the situation, like an answer, a reason, and and yep. all those questions that you were just sharing. It's like you were in that space. Like, let me just know why this is happening. How did we get here? Right. Can you describe like the the process, the series of, you know, conversations with your partner, your husband about you know, after you got all that information and decided to proceed with fertility treatments, like how did y'all navigate those conversations? I think that we were just very, the first thing is we just had to be open with one another and we just had to really look and say, what are we going to do? Is this an avenue that we want to take to pursue these treatments or, you know, where do we feel most comfortable? And just like have that conversation of, I would ask my husband, hey, what do you feel comfortable with? And then he would tell me and then he would ask what I felt comfortable with. And and thankfully, we both were in agreement. Like we both felt comfortable starting with IUIs. And I think that after that initial visit, we were both just, we took some time to reflect on individually. And then we came together and had a conversation about it. And then we're like, okay, well, this is what we have to do. So this is, we're going to do it. And we just kind of jumped in with both feet and started doing the testing because then after that, then we went through a series of tests of, of blood tests and um, sperm analysis and all that stuff. And we just had to be very open and honest with one another and have conversations that I never thought that we would have to have. And I think in the beginning, we were very hopeful. And so I think that that also fueled a lot of of our decision making because we felt so hopeful in, okay, well, there's there's options. So it's going to work. And so going into that, you know, we just had to be vulnerable. And I think that that was a huge thing too, is that I 
realized really fast that all the medications that I was on messed with my hormones. And I would just have to look at him and say, okay, so I'm going to start crying and I have no idea why, but here's what I need from you in this moment. And he was, Mm. (laughs) it was funny because the first few times he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then like after a while, like we both vocalize like, hey, this is what I need right now. Or, hey, this is what's happening, and I have no idea why I feel this way, but this is what I need from you in this moment. And we just had a lot of grace to know, like, mm. we just have to to work together. And I think that the biggest hurdle was just learning to have that communication of, this is what I'm going through. This is what I need from you. I have no idea why I'm going through this, but we're in this together. Wow. I mean, as a as a relationship coach, as a therapist, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, this is amazing to hear that y'all kind of had somewhat of a template to be able to turn to each other and face those unknowns, almost embrace the uncertainty of everything and not knowing why you were feeling something or why you would be crying, but that this is what it was and here's what I need. Sounds like y'all both responded to each other well in that way. That's awesome. As I'm thinking Thank about you. this, I'm like, oh my gosh, we should have had him come on this podcast too. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do that sometime because, you know, I don't know why I didn't think that. But um, anyways, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I get that impression from your page too, just how in it you both have been which is i think an interesting point to check in with you on too because you're right like ultimately you made this decision as a couple but ultimately you are the one that has to take the medicine to do the procedures potentially to feel the physical nature of what's happening yeah. and you know i guess i just want to ask you a little bit about that and how it impacted you on an emotional level just being the one that was you know literally experiencing this um it was it's it's really hard um honestly it's actually something we were just talking about the other night and it's still something that affects me and that i am impacted by um cuz here we are i mean this was so the all that happened back in 2018. And so now here we are three years in. And I actually told Alex the other night, I'm like, you know, for the last three and a half years, like my body hasn't been my own. I've been picked, poked, prodded, and I have been on an emotional roller coaster, whether it was the medication from IUI and then IVF and then pregnancy and then postpartum and now motherhood. And it's just been a roller coaster of constant physical touch. And it's been very overwhelming. And I have told him like, there are some days like, I just don't want to be touched. I just want to to think for myself. I just want to do what I want to do. I don't want to have to worry about, oh, I've had one cookie today. I can't have another cookie because, oh, we're prepping for this procedure. We're prepping for this. Like that impact and that mindset has been so exhausting. And it's been a nonstop thing for since the day we found out about infertility, really. It's just been a nonstop cognizant thing that I've just had to be aware of, of like what I'm doing. And that's been very hard. Thankfully, like I 
know how to handle myself um, for the most part. <laughs> and I have just tried to get outside a lot and to, I'm, I'm a writer. And so it's very cathartic for me to write through what I'm experiencing. And that's why I do share a lot on Instagram um, and through my blog. But I will definitely say that it is still very exhausting on the backside of a lot of things that people don't see. And there are still days even now where, like I said, I just don't want to be touched. Like I just want to sit and be my own person for for just like 30 minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes, <laughs> I'm a mother of two and I'm like, yes. And you're, you're describing like the some of the facets of motherhood that as a culture, we still, I think, I think a lot of millennials, a lot of people like you too, actually are trying to put the realness of that experience out there for yeah. others to feel connected to that. They're not alone in those thoughts where it's like, leave me alone. Yeah. But again, then I just think about women like you, couples like you that choose to go that path of fertility treatment. And like you're saying, that access of poking, prodding, you know, no more physical ownership of your space while you choose to do this process that goes beyond even just the getting to motherhood part. It's everything before. Yeah. So that's something that even years later you reflect on and you're recognizing just about how that impacted you. Yeah. Tell me more about and and maybe I'm even wondering if as you think about people listening to this episode that are in a relationship, they're married or whatever, and they're choosing to go this path as a couple, I want to ask you to kind of speak to the way that all this impacted your relationship to your husband and maybe things that you would share to other couples that just have no idea what's coming in terms of the process. Um. The biggest thing, Alex and I, I agreed from the very start, we said, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then we have to work first. If we are ever at odds or we are like seriously struggling in our marriage, then we're going to stop with the fertility treatments and we're going to make sure that we are okay first because we we are like we are married first and in order for any foundation of a future family to work we have to work first and that was our in mindset the entire time and so if we ever sensed that we were struggling or that we were you know getting to be like in a lot of arguments all the time or disagreements like we were just going to stop and take a break and focus on our marriage and then pick up again. With that in mind, we were very aware of the other person. And so we made date night once a week a priority where we had the rule of we're not talking about fertility treatments. We're not talking about any work. We're not talking about anything other than just focusing on having fun and connecting. And that was extremely pivotal for, for the way that we got through that process. Um, I think that that's mm -hmm. an important thing to instill in the relationship is that you have to come first. You and your spouse have to work first because it only gets harder. The challenges don't stop when you get a positive pregnancy test 
And it definitely doesn't stop when you have a baby. You might think that the infertility challenges might go away and they do, but they're still kind of there. And there's like other challenges. So you have to make sure that you and your husband or your spouse are are connecting and that you come first. That has got to be the the basis of everything. And communication is so important. Um, We always took the time to make sure that we were individually digesting appointments or news. And we said, okay, we'll take the afternoon and we'll think about it and we'll come together tonight and have a conversation. So then that way we could both, you know, digest it on our own and have that freedom to do it individually, but then to come back and make sure that we were having conversations as a couple. And there were some times where, you know, those conversations would be very in-depth and very emotional and we would talk through a lot of things. And then other times where it's like, oh yeah, we're in agreement. Okay. And the conversation would last 10 minutes. But I think the open communication and just like focusing Mm -hmm. on making things work is just so important. Oh, that's such great stuff. And and I'm wondering, as you reflect back on the past three, three and a half years since y'all start, had started all this, do you feel, does it resonate for you that there were maybe like seasons of that time when you felt more aligned with your husband versus times when you just felt like y'all were just so far from each other because the experience was just drastically different for each of you? Like, what would you say? I would say. Yes, I would absolutely say that there were parts where we were very much in sync, but then it's exactly what we just spoke about. Like he doesn't understand the physical toll that infertility takes. And that's that's just how it is because he's not experiencing the hormone medication. He's not experiencing the procedures. Um, and whenever we would go through the the IUIs, I would take the pregnancy test by myself because I always wanted to be able to have that experience to tell him. I didn't want that to be like a joined thing. I wanted to be able to tell him that was something I wanted to have control over. Um, and I felt like infertility took from us. Anyway, so that though those experiences he could not understand because he just he just can't. He wasn't the one that was personally going through that. And so I do think that there was a disconnect and I would be saying, this is how I feel. And he'd say, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, and he was very good. Like he's, he's very good listener and he would take such good care of me and he would sit and listen to me talk forever. And he would hold me when I was upset and I cried, but there was a disconnect because I did feel like while him and I were going through this together, I was still somewhat alone because he can only understand so much. And unless I have someone who has specifically gone through everything, you know, there, there's no one there that could have like empathized with me or, or said, Hey, I understand that feeling. Um, and that was another reason why I was really hoping to reach out was to find a community because I think I knew one person here um, locally, a friend that thankfully she guided me and helped me through so much. And I could talk to her about a lot of things, but reaching out and sharing our story brought me a community in which I felt like I wasn't alone. 
And it, it kind of filled that other portion of the void that like, unfortunately, my husband just could not understand. Right. And I think that that is such an important conversation to have, which is the fact that, of course, our culture still values marriage. And that's an incredibly unique relationship that's going to meet very unique needs and all that stuff. But, you know, it's really important, I think, to also not place every single need that we have on all avenues on each other. And so to hear that, you know, you allowed yourself to expand beyond and find that support um, from other women and stuff, it sounds like that was a really helpful piece of the puzzle just, you know, to nurture that part of you that was going through such a unique journey with this. Can you, I'm, I'm thinking more on the like emotional experience of it all. And I don't know if you can even just think back and like name some of the emotions, the feelings that you experienced throughout this time. I felt a lot of, I felt lonely because I mean, you open social media and I feel like all the time people are sharing their pregnancy announcements and that's great, but it's also very hard. Also, I feel like in a society where, you know, we live in a society where they portray that pregnancy and conception are just as easy as getting into bed and having unprotected sex. And that's just not the case. And so when you constantly see, you know, these positive pregnancy test commercials or, you know, it's not even talked about in sex education in school. Um, oh, no, certainly not there. Yeah. I mean, and that's just a whole other topic. Like I could go on for days about that. Yeah. But right, I just, right. I mean, the society that like doesn't ever really bring up the conversation of infertility, like it's so isolating. And, you know, they say one in eight, but half the time you feel like one in eight million because heart, like, unless mm. you're really open about it, no one talks about it. And I get it. But at the same time, like, I do think that we as a society need to, like, bring up this conversation more. And so I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt guilty because I kept feeling like, was there something that I did where we could have, like, somehow avoided all of this? I felt shame because nobody talks about it. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, is this wrong? Then is there something wrong with us? Which leads me to say that I felt broken, um, that I couldn't provide for my husband in that way of, of being able to have a child for him. I felt, I just I felt like every emotion under the sun, except for joyous and happy, like all of the anything. I felt angry. I felt so angry. There were so many times where I would just say like, why us? Why are we going through this? Why is this something that that we have to endure? And it was just, I mean, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Absolutely. I hear you. And you know, it's where you started on that question of like emotional experiences that you had with that sense of loneliness, feeling alone, and then went into some of these other bigger, not bigger, but big emotional experiences as well. Guilt, shame, you know, anger, all this stuff. Um, I think that all of those, you know, they just compound that feeling of isolation that 
you know, depression or loneliness can just th- those vo- those internal voices make you feel so isolated can oftentimes pull you away mm-hmm. from that desire to connect, to find yep. help, to share the burden, to share the story. And um, yeah, so so it feels, you know, even more relevant then to ask you, like, when was it in your process where you like sought out that support beyond your relationship and, you know, what started that? Who did you go to? How did you kind of find you, you mentioned a friend, but what got you reaching out? Um, honestly, I I still. So my friend, I, I, it was actually through the preschool that I worked at. And I think it was just kind of known among the teachers that, that like this family that she had gone through IVF. And because I had been talking with the teacher that I was working with, and I was like, oh, hey, you know, this is kind of what we're struggling with, you know, just nonchalantly in conversation. She said, oh, you should, you should talk with her. Like, I think that she went through IVF. And so that's how it kind of sparked. And her and I had already been good friends because her son was in one of my classes and I babysat for her son a few different times. And so through that, then it kind of opened up that conversation where I could say, hey, I heard that you experienced this. And then we kind of had that conversation and it was able to flow from there. Um, I will absolutely be very honest in saying that when it comes to reaching out with um friends i did the opposite i i feel like i kind of drew into myself and pulled away from a lot of the friendships that i had because they did not understand and because as an infertile wom- woman it's really hard to be open with my very fertile friends who are having babies to to express this but then also to say like hey it's also really hard to sit in a room with you and your children while I'm receiving negative pregnancy tests every week. Um, And so that was also really challenging. And so I didn't necessarily reach out to my friends in that season. Um, We reached out to our family and we decided to fill our family in on the, the decisions that we were making about pursuing this when we were starting the process of IUIs. We said, hey, this is what we're going through. And, you know, we would just love your support in this time. Stephanie, do you feel like you got the kind of um, receptivity from your family that you would have hoped for? Or was it one of those experiences where it's like you, you put it out there, you share the information, it's kind of a mixed bag of the feedback, the commentary. How was that for y'all? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. And I think that's just because people don't understand. We didn't have infertility in either of our families. And so I think that maybe the disconnect definitely came from people just not knowing what to say or people not knowing how to respond. Um, Overall, I would say that our family was extremely supportive. They remembered our, our appointments and our big days, and they would always reach out to us throughout those times in our journey. And they would be very helpful. But I do think that, I mean, there is, you know, that that understanding can only go so far when it hasn't been something that they've experienced themselves. Um, and so I do think that it was 
overall supportive, but then also like a mixed bag, kind of like you were saying, strictly because it's not something that they could have experienced or like have known or understood fully themselves. Right, right. And that's what I have heard, you know, clients that I've sat with who have gone through similar experiences. It's like, and there's different versions of this that we're talking about of not knowing what somebody else is going through. I mean, you went through that with your partner. You went mm-hmm. through that, it sounds, with some family, with friends, and, you know, you you choose to respond accordingly. Um I think that what I've seen as a therapist and coach, it's like it's 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 on the nose of what you're talking about. There's a huge difference between knowing what somebody is going through and feeling those same things, which is much more rare than I think we wish it would be. Yeah. And um, the other piece of of trying to understand what somebody's going through and. I mean, I, I want to ask you about that, like for people on the outside of the process that might even be listening to this podcast episode for people who maybe know somebody that's going through fertility treatments or just got this information that they're dealing with infertility or whatever. Like, what do you think are some of the ways that they can support? Like, what could they say? What would have been yeah. nice for you to have heard maybe from people that you knew didn't get it because they hadn't experienced it. I think um, the the biggest question that you could ask to start out with is when they come to you would be to say, what, what do you need from me in this moment? Do you need me to listen or would you, are you seeking advice or do you want to have a conversation um, and ask that? And then based off of their response, like listen and adapt. (laughs) So if this per, if your friend or your family member who's going through infertility, if they're like, I just need somebody to listen, I just need to talk. Then I would just sit and listen and not try to give commentary or not try to give your input and just listen and let them know that you're there for them. And I think that that's the biggest thing that you can do is just let them know that you're there, but also like follow up with that, like be there and and give them the support that they that they ask for, whether it is having a conversation, whether it is advice. Um, if this is someone that you're really close with and they have talked to you about going through IUIs or IVF, I would encourage you to do some like research on that. Like, okay, what is an IUI? What is an IVF? So that maybe, you know, you don't have to ask those questions. Like maybe you already know. Or, you know, it just shows that you're taking an interest in what they're experiencing and going through. And that's just like another form of support. And I think that that's huge, right? If someone said, hey, I I read up a little bit about what you're going through. And I just wanted to say, like, I can imagine that's really hard. Like, what can I do? Like, that would be so out of the norm of like anything that I had ever heard. And it would show me like, wow, this person cares enough to know what I'm going through that they went and like read up about what I'm experiencing. Like, wow, they must really care. And I think half the time is just like sitting and listening, but then also remembering, like I said, the big days in their journey. If they have an appointment, if they are ex- going through the weight of, okay, we just had this IUI and then the, the pregnancy test is going to come up in two weeks. 
like be there in that time, whether it's taking them out to coffee or just having coffee delivered to them or something along those lines, just little tidbits of like, Hey, you're not alone. Like I may not understand fully what you're going through, but I am here for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful. And it almost simplifies things for the friend or the family member, whoever that is on the outside of this experience, but wants to be there. It's like, just lean in, Mm -hmm. just lean in with the curiosity and intentional effort to be there for that person. You don't have to know every single thing that you should be doing for this person. There's no way you could. And each person's journey is unique, but um, feeling empowered that you can ask, what do you need? What could I do that would feel like me showing up and supporting you through this? Yes. It's really a practice of holding on to yourself, holding on to your opinions, thoughts, feedback, past experiences, <laughs> which we often go to first. It's like, you know, I think it's just a human way of connecting to other people's experiences. Well, I went through this one time or, oh, I knew yep. somebody who, and that's just never what somebody needs in a moment like that. So just yep. letting it be this blank moment of, wow, you just shared something huge. Like, what can I do? What do you need from me? As I reflect on what you've shared, Stephanie, it's like with your husband and and the way y'all went through this journey together, as you've kind of come to identify like what friends and family can do to be helpful, I think of, I think of like two words. One is, is clarity. Like now maybe there's a little more clarity on just being, being aware of how you want to move through such an experience of unknowns, full of unknowns and uncertainties, to just focus in on like who you want to be in your relationship and what the priorities are and not losing sight of the the important pieces, your marriage, for example, like setting that boundary, honestly, at the start of making sure that you two are good and yeah. just identifying some of those markers for your unique relationship to kind of help you navigate what would be a winding road ahead. I do want to ask you in just a second about your book. I want to ask you yeah. about that. But but before that, um, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, is there anything else you would say to listeners that are in this space that are going through this? Just anything else you'd mention? Um, I just want to encourage you that you are not alone, that you, it may feel that way, but, but you are not. And the best thing that I can encourage you to do is to communicate. Um, don't bottle all of this in and don't hold it into yourself. Like that's, that weight is too heavy for you to carry. You are not made to carry that weight. Have communication with someone, whether it's seeking a professional help, whether it's having more conversations with your spouse, whether it's reaching out to friends or just seeking community through a social media, whether it's through infertility hashtags to find new profiles that you mesh with or um, just having those conversations or DMing people and asking if you can have a conversation with them. For me, I'm really open and honest and I welcome those kinds of messages. I don't know about a lot of other people, but I, I think that reaching out and just having someone to talk through 
everything that you're experiencing is very important. And I want to encourage you to do that because carrying this all alone, will it will bring you down. It's too heavy for you to do on your own. And it may feel like you're alone, but you are not alone. And so I just encourage you to share the weight with those who want to help you carry it. Yeah, that's awesome. So really stretching beyond that tendency to kind of curl inward and be isolated, but to let this be a very relational experience. Use your relationships to lean on throughout this process. Talk about it. And that doesn't mean everybody that's going through it needs to go set up an Instagram and share their whole journey. But I think you're an amazing example of those that feel um, called and courageous enough to put it out there and just normalize some of those um, just impactful things that people will go through on the journey. Thank you. And it is hard in the beginning. It feels very weird <laughs> and um, vulnerable, but the more that you do it, the more that you have conver- the open conversation with with people who want to listen, the easier it gets. I will definitely say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. And I encourage you to keep it up because I think you're putting a, a, a very healthy narrative out there around what this looks like and how it can impact um, a relationship too. Thank you. Tell us about the book. Um, you yeah. and your husband like co-authored this little book, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I have been a writer my whole life and my my one of my biggest dreams has been to write a book. And I remember telling my husband, I said, I really want to write like a novel of our entire experience. And he was like, hey, that's great. And so I'm like starting to work on this in my mind and just like starting to map that out. And he's like, well, wait, what if you wrote a children's book? And I was like, no. And then (laughs) I was like, that's not me. That's not my style. I'm never going to do that. And then one night I was in the shower and it all just like came to me. And I remember getting out of the shower and I like ran out into the kitchen in my towel and I was like, I think we have a book. And he's like, what? And so I sat down and I wrote (laughs) it all out. And then we like worked on it together and like made the words flow. And, you know, he helped me like move this stuff and move that stuff. And then we just went through this entire process. And I just remember he's like, well, like, let's do this. Like, let's get it published. And I was like, this is crazy. And he's like, but we're going to do it. And we did it. I called publishers in our area and this one publishing company reached out to us and I loved them and we just meshed with them really well. And oh my gosh, like we have a book and it's, it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. And it's, it's most important, a, a, a tangible piece of hope for people that are going through any sort of hardship. So it's not specific to infertility or IVF. The title is You Were Worth the Wait. And that's for any family who has ever experienced a hardship while building the family of their dreams. Um, any you know couple that has known what it has been to wait for the child that they have so long wanted. And that's that's our book. And that's what it's for is to help people and to give them a tangible piece of hope in their waiting. Oh, that's beautiful. I was looking at the site for your book um, the other day and I'm like, this is so amazing. I mean, the illustrations are just wonderfully done and um, I, I, yeah, I'll probably be getting some copies myself to to pass out to some loved ones I've got over here. Oh, that but would be awesome. To, 
Yeah. And to wrap it up, let us know. Let, let me um, share with listeners or you share with listeners, where can they find you? Where can they find information about this book? Um, follow you and just see what you're doing. What's your Instagram? Yes, absolutely. So um, the website for a book is youwereworththewait.com. And if you order off of that website, you're ordering directly from us. And so we wrap and sign every book that we send out. We have a big stockpile here at our house and we would be honored to send you a book. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Stephanini, <laughs> which is um, N-E-E-N-E-E-E. -E -E -E. It's a little long. I'm thinking about changing it, but that's where <laughs> we're at right now. <laughs> and those are the two big places where it's I hang out. It's what it is. It works. Yeah, it is what it is. So that's where I hang out. You can come hang out with me there. Yes. Awesome. And I'll, I will be posting links to all of this stuff in the show notes. I'll be putting up um, some Instagram stuff of my own that connects everybody listening to Stephanie's profile. So if you want to follow her and see what she's putting out there, I think you you would really feel inspired by the the message. And again, just the, the normalization of this process and what it looks like through one family's experience. So thank you so much, Stephanie. This was really wonderful having you on. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I really appreciate you, Liz. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a review. If you're interested in learning more, you can find me at millennialrelationships.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also join our online Facebook community. Just search Millennial Relationships with Liz Higgins. I'm going live every week to talk with you about your relationship, wellness, and practice. I look forward to seeing you in there.